Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Episode 38 of This Is Us Too is brought to you by Minute With Mary. If you have yet to join my marvelous VIPs on Facebook, please take a moment to do so after you listen to this podcast. I share free tips and tricks and also some deals in that group with all of my marvelous VIPs. So just search the hashtag Minute With Mary. From Cranston, Rhode Island, welcome to This Is Us 2. It's a podcast dedicated to This Is Us on NBC. So sit back, relax, and let's all have a good cry. Hey everybody, how's it going? My name's Mary Larson. My name's Blake, and I feel like I need to take another big deep breath. Right? Because... We just plowed through two seasons worth of This Is Us uh, very quickly. Very quickly. And now we're moving on to season three. Mm-hmm. And um, wow. Yep. yep. <laughs> wow. What a big deal here. Yep. Uh, I'm excited for it. I can't wait to move on. And the good thing is that we don't have to wait all that long. We're only, I think, five days out. I know. We timed that pretty well. I'm not going to lie. It's because <laughs> we're awesome. <laughs> So uh, in order to help us bring in and ring in season three, we have a very fun interview yes, for you. Yes, yes. Uh, so why don't we get to it? Let's um, let's stop wasting some time and let's bring on our guest. What do you Perfect. say? All right, let's do it. Joining us today is Dan Sneerson of Entertainment Weekly. Dan's covered many of television's finest programming during his tenure at Entertainment Weekly, including Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and Lost. Needless to say, he's kind of a big deal, guys. But we all know him as the lead writer and news source for our favorite show on NBC, This Is Us. Dan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on This Is Us too. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So uh, we had the Emmys just recently. Uh, it was two nights ago as we record this. Um, no Emmys for This Is Us. Uh, is it just too hard now for network shows to compete with cable and pay networks, do you think? I think that is definitely one of the challenges. Um, you know, I think they might argue, too, that a family drama, is that's a tough genre to break through in, in awards, too. So maybe it's a combination of, of, of those two factors. Um but uh, Sterling K. Brown would tell you it's not too hard to break through, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Valid point. Yeah. So as we move on to the rest of uh, This Is Us and what we're trying to do here, I have a couple of personal questions for you first. Uh, you've covered a lot of great television. I mean, between Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul, and even Lost with Jeff Jensen, which, by the way, I, I watched your show, Totally Lost. It was I'm a so point. <laughs> it was appointment viewing, in my opinion. I watched it every single week. Have you ever found yourself connecting to This Is Us like you did with those other shows? I mean, the mythology was so deep on Lost, it, it was easy to get lost in a really fun way in, mm-hmm. in that. And, uh, 
the the tone of this is us doesn't lend itself maybe to the same level of um I don't know whether it's fan theorizing, though obviously This Is Us has an element of that, which I really respond to. Um, the humor uh, on on Lost at times with, with Hurley, I mean, yes, there, there's humor on, on This Is Us. I don't know, that, that just felt like we could be like maybe a little wackier um, and um, you could lose your mind a little more <laughs> in that show. Uh, so I don't know if you connect exactly the same way, but you know, I probably cry more, I guess, you know, from this <laughs> or at least, you know, the suggestion of a tear if I'm not crying. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Well, that being said, of course, so many of these episodes have brought a tear to, to our eyes. What has been your favorite episode of This Is Us so far? Mm. Uh, this may be a little bit of an obvious answer, but I thought Memphis was just so powerful. And I don't think that's necessarily the perfect example of the, of the show. It's a little more of a standalone episode. We're really drilling down, you know, on Sterling, uh, K. Brown and Ron Cephas Jones, uh, who are just absolutely amazing. But that episode, it was a bit of a travel episode. Uh, the intimacy of that, the sort of, you know, death is coming, but not exactly on the terms that you might expect. I think those hospital scenes with Randall were really powerful and the book of poetry, you know, how that kind of came around to um, that episode th- that got me right in the feel zone. <laughs> so would your favorite performance be in Memphis or was it was it like your favorite performance from an actor or is it in that is it in Memphis or in another episode? That Dr. K scene. And I think any Dr. K scene I would I, I would, you know, nominate up there, too. I, I thought her scene with with him on on the bench at the funeral w- was was pretty amazing stuff. Um, a lot of Milo's speeches uh, really get me too. When he confessed to young Kate that he had a problem with alcohol mm-hmm. and that the weakness he showed and in in that vulnerability, I should say, that he showed to his daughter that I actually need you guys. Like I'm going to lean on you to, to, you know, to hopefully get through this, which is a lot to ask of a kid. I thought speeches like that were really powerful. Milo's had some great great moments. I mean, they, they all have. What about you guys? Oh, I think my favorite performance actually comes in Super Bowl Sunday with, with Mandy Moore when she sees, you know, at the dead Jack, uh, in the reflection as we see it as viewers that like there was, it was just two minutes of silence and her face told mm-hmm. a whole mm-hmm. story unto itself for just two minutes of silence. It was incredible. Yes. Yeah. I, oh, I, so I, true. I totally agree with you. And that sort of, the candy bar moment yeah you just mm-hmm. like you know you can't, like just that those odd reactions we might have at the moment of tragedy for sure mm-hmm. so we've talked about the emmys and we've talked about other shows like breaking bad and lost or and i'm going to even mention mad men here yeah. where do you think this is us has the chance to grow and to really push into that elite level of television like those other shows we mentioned i think it's too early yeah i, I mean I, I know a lot of people were you know disappointed with later lost and maybe, you know, how, how it ended, but I still think there was some sustained excellence there. Um, I I would put breaking bad at a fairly untouchable level Mm -hmm. right now. To me, when you mention those shows, they're all, you mentioned, they're all shows that are amongst my favorite, but I would put breaking bad, maybe at the top, up top of that heap. Um, I think this is us again. I looked again, going back to a Memphis episode. Um, you know, I think it has the ability to be that, um, it walks that line of sentimentality, 
Um, it straddles that line. Uh, <laughs> it clings to that line. It crosses over that line sometimes. I think finding that balance for the show is that's what it's going to take to get it um, you know, into that next level. Um, there, I think there are people, and, and you know, you guys are, are super fans, but you know, that you'll talk to them and they're like, it's just too manipulative at times. It just, mm. it's just a little too cheesy at times. You know, um, I, I, I like, you know, it's sort of unabashed sentimentalism, sentimentalism, but, um, I, uh, I, I can see how that can be problematic at times. Um, there were, uh, I mean, we could go through it and just moments where I wish the show had expanded a little more or taken a few more chances, but I, for a broadcast network show, I, I love what, what they've done. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's a pretty special show to me. I, I would say it's, it's near that area. It's just not quite at, at that area. I'd say, you know, I feel like it actually started off very well. You know, it, it grabbed me. I feel like from the pilot, right where, from when it started, you know, it's just this idea of, I, I thought, like the lost pilot, which I know grabbed you two just as much as it did me, where when that ended, guys, where are we? You know, you were just in. I thought that twist was so well placed and so well done that it immediately established to me, this is beyond a broadcast network show that you're used to. Like, that set the standard for me. I thought that twist late was laid in so perfectly. And what I really liked about it, too, was... They gave it away. They put the year on the boxes, you know, uh, when they're in their room, and you're in the vacuum cleaner too. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the hospital equipment and the way they're dressed, and you just go, oh, maybe they like, you know, they live in a cool neighborhood and they wear hipster clothing. Hipsters, yeah. And the hospital equipment, you say, oh, well, it's a TV show, so maybe they just didn't get it right or whatever. I love that your brain, 1979. Okay, those are old things. You just your brain keeps telling you something's off here, and you just rationalize it yourself. I thought he handled that so well, and that to me said that this show was was going to be something special. Right, and never lied to you. The only time I ever feel like the show kind of lied to you was when uh, the drunk driving. The drunk driving. I, I felt that was that was outright disingenuous. You know, I certainly the way the show was marketed and promoted, it led viewers to to, to that conclusion. My mom bless her soul, calls me and says, I think I figured out how Jack dies. And, and I'm like, how? And she goes, I think it's a drunk driving accident. As if, it's like, that's the biggest thing. I'm like, really? Is that what you're putting together? Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and um, they felt that the big, like, aha moment was going to be, you know, that Jack and Rebecca were splitting up. Mm-hmm. And... That that's what they were talking about when things really went, you know, haywire. But it just, I think it just got away from them um, that they, uh, they just, it, they didn't know what to do. I think when people started saying, you know, will Jack die in this? And, and they said, well, tune in and you'll find out. It just seems like when you tease something like that and you play along with that and you don't deliver the goods, people are very upset. And I think that's what happened there. I mean, I mean, especially though, I mean, the way that it's edited and, and all of that, it just, it's, yeah. it's telling the viewer this and, and like, it's one thing to have like sleight of hand and yeah. it's one thing to, it's one thing to edit things a certain yeah. way. Like you could argue the way they edited Beth in the, in the season two yeah. finale, it points to Beth right. being the one who's her, but it's not making this outright statement that I felt that the drunk driving issue, well, the drunk driving portion was telling you. It, it absolutely was the way that that was edited together led you to that conclusion. The only reason that I wasn't fully expecting it was 
because it just felt too obvious. And you know, Dan, right? right? It's just like, it can't be this. But then to not have it be another way, um, you know, uh, and I have to wait, you know what I mean? That like, this was, this was punted. The other thing I would say is that Dan said this was going to probably go into season two. Now, not everyone reads interviews, of course, but he had been on record and he had said that to us too. So that, that was my understanding that it necessarily wouldn't, you know, it would play out longer than than that season, but I completely agree and, and understand fans frustrations 100%. Like, you can't you if you court a mystery as you saw with Lost, you have to deal with the the, the other side of it too. If people don't feel satisfied, you know. Right. With, <laughs> yes. And, and one thing I'd love to know what you guys thought too is, I thought it was such a powerful dark moment to end. You know that that they they quote unquote separated at the end of season one, and then to resolve that in in the first episode felt a little too soon to me. I wanted that to go on another episode or two, and what that was like for them being apart. I love the resolution scene. Don't get me wrong, where, where Rebecca comes back to the door, you know, where Jeff's saying and says, you know, I'm, I'm taking charge here. But it just felt too soon for me. What about you? I know a lot of people didn't like the season one finale and because they split up, they felt that it was dark. I personally liked it because it, it, it gave them a complete arc for that particular season. And I think... Uh, I think actually having them get resolved within one episode was probably a little too quick for for my blood. Oh, yeah. I I would not have resolved that quickly. And that's the thing I said even in our podcast. Like, I would have told Jack, you need some time out, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And I I felt like for me, had that been in my life, I would have I would have personally need a little cool down time. And, you know, so to see it happen so quickly kind of made the magic of Jack and Rebecca come back to you again once on screen that, oh, no, they can they can fix this much quicker than normal right. humans can. <laughs> you know, their love is that special. But I, re- I remember seeing like a video of Milo saying like, there's absolutely no way like anybody, any couple can be as sweet as <laughs> mm-hmm. as Rebecca and Jack. And I, I feel like them resolving this issue within a day or two, whatever it is, that just speaks to that sweetness that's 100% unattainable, in my opinion. I think that, you know, again, like if you go, if you tell someone you make such a dramatic move like that, you want need to pay that off with, with developing that longer. Like it just, if you're going to end your season on that to, to resolve by the end of, of the first episode, just, yeah, it just felt, it felt too soon. So that being said though, what do you think makes This Is Us different and stand out amongst the other network dramas going on right now? Um, it feels like that there's, you know, there's something for everyone in each, each of the characters. I mean, uh, I love the way they've handled like they, they, they I love the way they handle race on, on, on this is us with, with Randall and, and Beth and, um, and the family and, you know, Randall's obviously being adopted by a white family. Like, I don't feel like they've shied away from that. I, I feel like they've done some very like honest portrayals there. Um, I feel like Kate, I don't really remember seeing, you know, a plus size character like that in such a, in such a leading role. Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of examining, you know, her struggles. I thought that was, was really brave. And I, I look at, you know, a great scene too, going back to what we were saying, like Chrissy, uh, on the scale and taking off the earrings, I thought was such a powerful moment. So I think the show has, has gone to those really vulnerable places that, that people respond to. I think there's a bit of, um, 
wish fulfillment maybe with Jack Pearson as super dad. Um, a lot of us haven't had <laughs> the best fathers <laughs> and uh, you just go, God, I wish, I wish he were my dad. Uh, you, you sense that like you just, you love the way he parents, you know, mm. it's a great role model. So um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a combination of those things, but I just feel like the show just checks like, if you're like like in the quadrants, it, it's like checking off all the right boxes and all these different quadrants, you know, it brings the humor, but it isn't afraid to, you know, make you cry and, you know, tackle death. And again, it's like transracial adoption. Sure. We'll, we'll handle that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I just think, you know, bisexuality, sure. You know, um, it's, it's all there. Like I, I do love the way they, they go deep on an issue. I will say that I wish I was just as good of a husband as Jack. <laughs> I'm sure Mary would say the same exact thing. You're great. You're yeah. wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, so talking about the show on a little bit more of a macro level level here, what is the dynamic like with the creative staff between Dan Fogelman and Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger as kind of like this show running job? What What is this like between that? Because it seems a little confusing for me. From what I gather, you know, uh, Dan obviously created the show and was the primary showrunner. And Isaac and Elizabeth, who are fantastic, by the way. Have you seen Love, Simon? No, we haven't, but it's on oh, our list. You really should put that on your list. Yeah, they're wonderful writers uh, and humans. And uh, they, you know, they were elevated to co-showrunners. So basically, it's sort of a three-headed uh, benevolent monster, if you will, <laughs> um, you know, at, at this point. And, you know, with Dan doing, you know, all his movies too, you know, he's got life itself coming out, uh, this week, you know, uh, so he's sometimes not going to be able to be there. So then Isaac and Elizabeth obviously are taking a more prominent role, but my understanding of it is it's, uh, you know, they're, they're all three in that, that highest level of decision-making collaborate. Is that normal for television? Like I've seen co-show runners, you know, obviously like Better Call Saul with, uh, Peter Gould and, and Vince Gilligan, or even like, uh, uh, halt and Catch Fire with Christopher Cantwell and and um, the other guy. I can't remember his name now. <laughs> um, but three showrunners is that is that kind of normal or is that abnormal? Um, I don't think it's abnormal. Um, I, I think it has happened. I like your example of bringing up uh, Better Call Saul because that one was really interesting. Because you know the idea was that Vince was going to step away and kind of give the, the show just to Peter earlier, but he found himself so engaged that uh, he's, he's been sticking around a lot longer. I think mm. this season, and Vince is the kindest man and will always just push credit to someone else. And he's like, no, no, really, this season, you know, it's, it's Peter's show. And uh, he, uh, I, I went on the set this year, and, and, he, and Vince happened to be directing uh, the second to last episode, so it was good to see him. But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I don't think it's abnormal uh, at, at all. It doesn't strike me as, as abnormal. And I wonder, though, with Dan you know, and his brain going in so many different directions, if he will, you know, eventually like, you know, take, take more of a step back and leave it in Isaac and Elizabeth's hands. Well, that being said, then what seems to be the mood of the cast and everyone as they entered the filming for season three and, um, and has it even wrapped yet? Yeah. So they are you know, fairly deep into it now. I, I feel, I'm guessing they're probably about maybe a third of the way of, of, of filming the, the season. Um, the, the mood seemed good light, you know, they say, you know, they don't, they're still getting along really well, you know, they, they <laughs> divide people. Uh, but as of right now, they said it was a lot like 
you know, first back after like the, the, the summer, like you, everyone went to their different summer camps and it was like first day of school and everyone got to, to reunite again. So they, they're pretty happy. I mean, uh, that's, that's the vibe I get. And, you know, having interviewed them all a bunch, they're, they're all lovely to talk to. I, I will tell you that. Um, so I think the mood was, was light and eager to get back to work and kind of, you know, prove they don't want to be a one or a two season wonder. You know, I think that they want this thing, like you were saying earlier, to kind of get into that next level to, to be one of the great dramas, you know, that mm-hmm. I think they would love to be in, considered in that category. So from what you know of season three doing your reporting, uh, is, do you think it's more of the same or do you think we should be expecting some changes in the narrative style or even some shocking twists that might be coming our way? It, it probably would sound a little boring to say expect more of the same, but I, I think that that's what it sounded like to some extent. I mean, and to some of the extent, same also means, you know, this is a show that does take chances. You look at um, the, uh, you know, episode 12, I think from season one or Memphis uh, and that episode 12 being the, the uh, Jack, Rebecca, Dr. K episode mm-hmm. um, doing these standalone things. You saw it last year with the Deja episode. I think they are committed to doing, you know, things like that. There's, um, there's going to be a Vietnam uh, episode uh, that's like, kind of like a solo sh- like showcase, like in these standalone mm-hmm. uh, forms. Um, they're going to be shooting in Vietnam, which I think is, you know, pretty different. Um, but so I think it is the same level that you've expected, but I think they're emboldened maybe to take a few more chances uh, based on, you know, Dan, oh, just being restless in a good way, creatively, you know, mm-hmm. and wanting to, wanting to take some chances. So in Vietnam, is either Justin Hartley there or is Milo actually going to be in Vietnam or are they just using it for like establishing shots? I think that they're still figuring it out from from what I've gathered. Um, but I think that, you know, the the val- parts of the valley could probably, you know, double as jungle if they needed to. But like you're saying, I mean, you absolutely have to send, you know, Justin there because if, if, you know, if you need those present day scenes and you're showing a city in Vietnam, like it's just, you know, it'll be hard to fake that. Mm-hmm. So, but I do think that they want to get some, you know, bring Milo over there. I'd also wonder if, as you know, the season is going to heavily involve Jack's little brother, Nikki. Mm-hmm. So, and that, that role has been cast now. Um, and to bring that actor too. Um, so I think we could probably see both, I would think, over there. Who was the actor that was cast for, for Nikki? It's uh, Michael Angarano um, from, he was on Will and Grace and a mm-hmm. bunch of other things. So uh, that's going to be really fun to see his introduction. Um, it sounds like from talking to Milo that uh, there's a lot of surprises about Vietnam. Justin Hartley said the same thing. Uh, Milo's reaction was, are we, are we allowed to uh, swear on this uh, podcast? Or, or yeah, 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 sure. Go yeah. right ahead. Go right ahead. <laughs> Nothing, nothing aggressive, but he just basically said he uttered multiple holy shits. Uh, <laughs> when, when he, he said, I didn't see it coming, and I really don't think the audience is going to be seeing this coming. Mm-hmm. They really talk about, um, you know, in getting this fuller picture of Jack this season, um, that, you know, learning about Jack's past in this Vietnam and maybe what happened to Nikki it sounds like there's a lot of holy shits coming. All right. So, um, you know, we had seen that Milo had even said that the theme through th- season three is going to be discovery in the past. So obviously that's what we're going to be working on with Jack's character. Do you think that there's going to be even more um, discovery of kind of the early part of the courtship or the early part of the marriage between Jack and Rebecca? Yeah, you've, you've hit it. Exactly. So both. I mean, I think, 
in terms of going way back, like it sounds like we're going to learn a little bit more about, you know, we've obviously seen Jack's, you know, the alcoholic father um, and, you know, how that impacted Jack and Nikki. So it sounds like we're going to learn a little bit more about that past that led him to Vietnam. But then, like you said, when he gets back from Vietnam, uh, his first date with Rebecca. So we are, you remember that night we met, uh, that Jack and Rebecca met the, when she was singing Moonshadow, mm-hmm. uh, when the robbery that never was, you know, did not happen. <laughs> um, but uh, we're actually, that first date takes place on that very night. So the season premiere will take us right into that. So we're going to see what happened the rest of that night. And their first date, from what I hear, does not exactly go according to plan. So, <laughs> you know, you saw that sort of those magic you know, love at first sight raised between them, but maybe the date doesn't quite go like that. <laughs> see, I see on our show, we have these things called hot takes and it's like our predictions for what's coming up. And my hot take for our last episode was that we were going to see the whole introduction again, but not from uh, Jack's perspective, but from Rebecca's perspective. Oh, I can, can love that. Can you I tell me that. if I'm right or if I'm wrong? Cause I'm dying to know. I, I don't know that, but I, I love exactly what you're saying, and I could completely see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they've done that. I mean, that's such a that that's a good Dan like kind of fake out move too. Like we saw that with um, right Rebecca's date, where we thought she was going on a date, it was going to be with Jack, right, and it was with someone else or what. Like that's you know Dan loves someone. I, I think you I think you could be onto something there. It's because I'm awesome. Look at That's you. why. Look at you. So hey, it appears that Rob Morgan, who was in Daredevil yeah. on Netflix, he's been cast for on for season three. Uh, right. For all you Daredevil heads out there, uh, <laughs> could you tell us a little bit about his role? Do you know a lot about it? Yeah, uh, I don't know too much. They want to be secretive about it, but he plays like a local, like city councilman, um, you know, in Philly. Where and his district is the is the built where uh, Williams Building is. Oh, okay. So we know that that will be tied. The question we don't really know is with this is us, which is so much fun, and we can get to some of the other guest stars too, like Jane Kaczmarek. Um, just about to ask you about her. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into that. Um, is well, so is it like will he be interacting with Ron Cephas Jones, William, or is it more as we know Randall and Beth are rehabbing that building, mm-hmm. so. Will they run into issues there? And then that's how they'll run into Rob Morgan's character. So like, which, you know, era does he fall into? So we don't know too much ab- about that. But my guess is it, you know, has to tie into what's one of those two, you know, scenarios. Sure. All right. So let's just get into my girl, Jane. Yeah. This is great. She, I, <laughs> Malcolm in the Middle is, is something that is deep in my heart. She, and obviously she's the mom from Malcolm, the, Malcolm in the Middle. What do we got on her? Well, we don't have tons. We have a little bit. Um, we know that she's going to be now Rob Morgan's character. He's that's going to be like a recurring role. So he'll be in, um, you know, I think, you know, multiple episodes. Um, Jane, as far as we know, is just in one episode. Um, we don't know again <laughs> how she like comes into your know, contact with any of the cast members or in what time period, but we know that she plays a liberal university professor and a scientist. And she's described as intelligent, warm, down to earth. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, that's that's what we know there. But again, they're playing that one really close to the vest, which is interesting to me. Are we going to see more of Dan Loria and Wendy Malick as Toby's parents? Do you think? Such good casting, right? I know. Uh, it, it, awesome. I, I'm yeah. obsessed with Wendy Malick. She's amazing. Um, well, you bring up that's a good point too. So 
if Chris Sullivan, who plays Toby, has anything to say about that, he would say yes, because when I asked him his favorite season two scene, he said it was getting to reunite with Dan Loria because they, they had their Broadway debuts together. Oh, wow. Uh, so uh, he was uh, very excited about that uh, in the with the wedding finale. But um, I think we might. Um, but Toby's brother should probably be a bigger question, right? Because mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. he wasn't at the bachelor party and he wasn't at the wedding. So my bigger question is, do we, when do we meet Toby's brother and what's going on there? Because there seems to be a certain level of estrangement. Yeah, well, let's let's even talk about the flashes that we saw in the season two finale. Of course, we see that flash about Toby in the future, and he appears to, uh, of course, be suffering from depression. So, um, you know, let's let's delve into that a little bit. Let's get sad. I know, <laughs> right? So, so we know Toby struggled with depression before, um, but, you know, we kind of think of him as the lighter comic relief, you know, a happier guy for the most part when he's not almost dying of a uh, heart collapse or whatever that was. <laughs> Crashing into tables, you know, just whatevs, you know. It was very dramatic, very <laughs> dramatic. Um, that I felt was a little soapy. Like, the, the, you know, you're talking about, like, I thought that moment was, was, was a little soapy. Um, Anyway, we can get the sidebar and get into that later. Um, so, yeah, what's causing that depression? You know, I think, you know, Kate and Toby are going to have um, make another go at it in terms of having a child. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously after the miscarriage, which is a very powerful experience for them. You know, uh, in the, the little footage that's been released of season three, we see them, you know, she says, let's make a baby. And I think he says, oh, you know, I'm your huckleberry, basically. <laughs> and um but I think they're going to have some struggles with that, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. So that's not going to be an easy road. Is that one of the factors? Is that the main factor that leads to Toby's depression? We don't, we don't know. My guess is it at least has to factor in there. But um, Elizabeth Berger said that there are, quote, many stresses on this first year of their marriage is, is what she hinted. Mm-hmm. Speaking of not an easy road, looks like This Is Us has promoted Lyric Ross, who plays Deja, to a yeah. full-time cast member. So for those who don't understand that, can you amplify on that for us? And what does that entail for for Lyric Ross? That's hard to say because, you know, it's regular for them. You know, they may just want to have these actors always available to them in first position, you know, like that, you know, because we saw, for example, um, you know, Alexandra Breckenridge, who plays Sophie, um, or Miguel, uh, John Hortez, who plays Miguel, uh, you know, they were series regular in season two. And if you count the number of episodes they were each in, I think it's about like five or six episodes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's significant. But when you think series regular, right, you think almost every episode. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to say what that means other than, you know, they're committed to telling that story. um, But maybe she'll only be in, you know, a half dozen episodes or or maybe not. Uh, But it means that she's going to be sticking around the family. It means they need to figure out why she mangled that Mercedes and, uh, you know, deal with that anger and kind of welcoming her into the family and, you know, how that's going to impact Tess and Annie. So we also have seen that Sterling K. Brown and Dan Fogelman have said that the flash forward that, that Sterling is in it's way in the future seems to be the end or the end game of their story. So I have a couple of questions. One, can you confirm the decade that they're in for us and are, is it really the end game that we're seeing? Yeah, it certainly sounds sexy to say that, right? <laughs> uh, you know, when when he first said, like, you know, and we've already even shot parts of the the final episode or whatever. It's just like, whoa, whoa like you immediately spring yeah. to attention. Wait, are we there? Um, so 
I think the decade uh, is, I would say, the 2030s. Um, I've heard different reports, and I will get back to you on this, whether that was a 20-year leap or a 15-year leap, mm-hmm. but um, I, think it's, I think it's 20, actually. But in any case, even if you just do simple math, if it's 15 or 20, that will put us in the 2030s. Mm-hmm. So that's where we know we are. What the end game thing means, um, it means that Dan loves to jump around time, and I think he's had like found such, you know, creative ways of, of exploring it. And I look forward to, you know, every time they find like a new era, like he gets so <laughs> excited to, to unleash. I just think the show is so ambitious in the way it, it tells story like that. Um, so he's saying that that's as far ahead, the end game, meaning that's as far ahead as we're going to jump. Mm-hmm. So um, like that will be our final, you know, resting spot in the timeline. It doesn't necessarily mean that the show ends there though it might. Um, my guess is it doesn't. Um, but just when we're flashing ahead, we're not going to go ahead 60 more years and see like their, you know, their great, great, great grandchildren, it sounds like. But who knows? Maybe he'll change his mind. <laughs> I don't know. So, of course, speaking about that scene with the future yeah. Randall and Tess, it, of course, did it feel like things are going to be in a good direction at that point? Things are not <laughs> exciting in that little flash that they did. So should we be pre- prepared for more heartbreak and tissues? I mean, I guess the obvious answer is yes, this is, this is us. Like, of course you need tissues. <laughs> no, pack your Kleenex boxes up. This is it. It's all, it's all fun and games from now on. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think you're right that there's, there, there's more heartbreak there. That certainly seemed fairly ominous. You know, I think I'm sure you guys did the same thing I did. You went, okay, first question, who is her? Like, mm-hmm. so, yeah. so, okay. So is it, you know, is it Deja? Is something happened to Beth? You know, Susan Kletchy Watson has gone on record. You know, I interviewed her and she said, I talked to Dan. My mom was going to stop watching the show if they were killing <laughs> me. And so she assured me that they weren't. So we know Beth isn't dying. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, so you go through your head, you know, who are the possible people that it, it could be about? Um, so it's, you know, it's Annie, right? Or Deja mm-hmm. or Beth, but not Beth not dying. Um, or another character that we're just not thinking. See, I of. thought it might be Rebecca. I thought timeline wise, yeah, it might be Rebecca. She she could absolutely still be alive. That's one thing uh, you know. I definitely thought, and I asked, you know, uh, Mandy. Uh, we were joking around about that. She's like, I hope she's still in the picture by then. Um, <laughs> all yeah, the makeup, all the makeup. <laughs> right, and so Randall would be actually. So this is their thirty eighth birthday. The season premiere also, by the way, in the present day, does another birthday thing where we're at their birthday. So thirty eight. So Randall should be about 58. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that, I mean, it, so after all that, we've come to the conclusion that she would be very, very, very old, um, <laughs> so, but, but she's in play. She's, she's in play. Um, but then the other question was, okay, we, we said, you know, who is it now? Our next question is, what is it? Mm-hmm. So what happened? Is it, you know, people are speculating, like, is it someone who's ill? Are they saying it's just time to visit her, see her meaning like almost like a grave thing? you're visiting and it's too it's too hard to go see that is it um someone's in trouble with the law you know is it um you know it could be so many things so you know there it's it's it doesn't sound good whatever it is and i actually (laughs) asked christy that and her quote was oh it's not good it's not not good at all like she didn't obviously elaborate beyond that sorry I just hope Annie doesn't end up on the pole. That would. <laughs> that... <laughs> hey, Annie worst case down, scenario. Right. Worst case scenario. There we go. 
I hope it's not Rebecca on the pole. Yeah. Like, that's, that's really what I hope. <laughs> that would be a, a tad awkward. All the makeup, all the pole, everywhere. It's just <laughs> not good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, w- what is the status of the show after season three? Is it is it renewed for another year, or is it being renewed year to year? So NBC has been so proactive with the show, as you know, they picked it up after just like an episode or two for the season. And then after season one, they picked it up for two seasons, which is fairly, you know, unusual. Mm -hmm. You talk about what's usual and unusual. That was such a, you know, they've always had these huge, you know, shows of confidence. Um, It is not picked up beyond this season. It's, you know, its future is not in in, in doubt at all or in jeopardy. It's just, you know, how many years do they want to make this at this point? But we're years away from, you know, several multiple seasons. Mm -hmm you know, away from, you know, talking about the end of the show, it sounds like. So I guess the question is, does it get picked up? Do they do another two year pickup or do they do another year pickup is really, is really the question. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else should we be looking for in season three? Any particular Easter eggs, interesting montages, or that is, this is us always excels at, or is it, like I said, the obligatory twist that no one ever expects? I think it's definitely that. (laughs) (laughs) that. Um, Well, Let's see. I mean, I think if you think of uh, characters, you know, I think the Miguel relationship is is always interesting because I think and I'd love to hear your your opinion on this. I think the ultimate, of course, you know, uh, fan fiction, you know, wish fulfillment scene was, you know, the the Jack, old Jack and Rebecca, you know, dream sequence that that, that Kate had. It was so perfect for the show. It gave fans exactly what they wanted. But I think ultimately it just digs Miguel in deeper because now you're like, you got to be like, okay, look, Jack's gone. He's never coming back except like this. This is what you always wanted. Right. And then you're, you know, it's like you get a taste of it and then you're like, oh no, Miguel's still here. Um, <laughs> so I just think they were digging themselves in a deeper hole by, by doing that and they're making their task. They know it's hard. How do you make Miguel not just because Jack was great. doesn't mean Miguel's bad. Right. It's like, <laughs> I don't know how you guys feel about Miguel, but a lot of people just hated that character out of the gate just because they love Jack so much and no one could replace Jack. It's like unfair to the character or the story. Um, so slowly they're building Miguel's story, I think. Um, so I think we're going to see um, more of his backstory. Um, I think you're going to see, you know, what, how did he end up, you know, divorced? Um, I think you want to know maybe why did he disappear from the family, right? Why did they have to reconnect on Facebook of all places? You know, he seems so dedicated to this family. What happened? You know what I mean? Was there estrangement there? Um, so anyway, so I don't know how interested you are in Miguel, but I think oh, there's- Oh, very interested. Oh. I want to know about his affinity for Christmas ornaments and lawn decorations. <laughs> <laughs> that's when that's when I was sold on Miguel. At first, I wasn't too into him. And then I saw that he has all this, the holiday flair. And I was like, all right, he's in my boat. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. And speaking of drilling down in characters, uh, you know, Toby, you're going to get his backstory, like we were saying. And then Beth. Uh, who is just wonderful and I really think, you know, emerged as sort of the secret weapon of the show in season two. Uh, Yeah, I I think we're going to learn a lot more. She has those sisters, like what's going on with her family. So I think you can expect stand like, if not standalone episodes, like focused episodes on these tertiary characters. I I think you guys will all agree that scene at um, Kevin's rehab when the three of them were kind of were bitching about, you know, being outside uh, of the Pearsons. I I thought (laughs) it was wonderful and, you know, had promise. So I, I think you'll you'll see that. Um, and 
a question I had was, and I'd love to know what you guys think, is um, how are you feeling about, you know, Ron Cephas Jones not being around as much? Obviously, William has passed, but they've said they wanted to keep him around and they want to use him. I felt like he was underutilized for what they were saying in season two. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I can I want as much William as I can get. I mean, I love the Pearson family, but he he has a little a big piece in my heart. So <laughs> I would love to have him weave in more, but I just don't know where they could. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's that's an issue um, is, you know, do you have him as a ghost dad? You know what I mean? <laughs> do, you show, yeah. do you flashback mysteries where he just works into the plot? I think, again, going back to the Rob Morgan thing, you know, there's a chance there for him to kind of mm-hmm. weave into the plot possibly a little organically. Um, Dan said that he agreed that, that he didn't they didn't get to use him as much as they want to and that he plays a big part of episode two this season. And he said, I think he's significant in at least two or three other of the early episodes. So I think more William than last season, maybe not as much as season one. Yeah, I love the creative ways that they did, in fact, use William. And I, we were actually just talking about it on our last episode where we saw William just pass by Randall in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was in the apartment building. In the apartment building. It was just like, but it was it was like ghost dad like. Mm-hmm. But, um, wow. you know, it was uh, it was there. And I thought that was a really interesting way to, to use <laughs> I'm William. Just making up a scenario in my mind that William found all these bricks in his apartment building and hid little treasures in it. And Kevin's going to be <laughs> knocking down walls with his mallet, finding out. William's treasures. That will not be the plot line. This is why I'm not a writer. I, I admire your creativity there, though. I'm, I'm in. I, I I would watch that. Um, <laughs> What's your take on Zoe, by the way, uh, and and Kevin being together? Did you find that that was like a a shock, or is that something that you think we could really lean into uh, as 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 viewers and as for for the show? I like. The idea of family tension, I, I hear that Beth's reaction is not going to be a positive one when she sniffs romance here. So I think the idea of seeing, you know, Beth get get involved in that and not liking this relationship, what, what do you call it? Like a, like anti-Cupid there, you know, yeah. <laughs> that role I think could be a lot of fun. Um, obviously, we don't know too much about the character. Uh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm interested, I guess. I get, for me, though, it kind of threw me for a loop because, you know, again, with... Alexandra Breckenridge being named a series regular, the Sophie story, I think, is not over. So I was surprised that they were taking it. It it, it did throw me in that way. Like, I was like, if anything, I thought, you know, Sophie might be back in the picture and we'd Mm -hmm. figure out, you know, how we got there. So, yes, it did throw me for a little bit of a loop. I was just going to ask you, do we close the book on Sophie yet? Is that is that completely done? (laughs) They're they're being evasive about that. But like she's still part of the cast. So like I I would say not, you know, there's there's some story to be told there for sure. Um, And uh, but yeah, I I like the idea of of new romance. I mean, Kevin definitely seems like someone who will probably by the end of the show, will have lots of girlfriends. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we we always joke about how we had random girlfriend number one, random girlfriend number two, and then it was so Sophie, and now it's Zoe. So yeah, you hey, you know, it's it, they they all show up at least once. Right, right, absolutely. <laughs> well, Dan, I think that is it for today. Thank you so much for is joining there, yeah, us. Yeah, is there anything else, Dan, that you would like to chat about or or share? No, I think we covered. I think we covered great ground, and we should do it again and soon. That'd be great. Well, again, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. Dan Sneerson, everybody. There you go. That was, uh, an, I, 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 I'm wont to say epic conversation. 
I, I'm not sure it's epic, but it's pretty damn close. You know, it's just, I loved speaking to people like Dan, who it's their job to pretty much hang out with, delve into, and then write about mm-hmm. our favorite shows. I mean, what right. an amazing job. And for him to, you can tell that he loves what he does, that he loves to sit there just like regular fans <laughs> and be like, what was that about? Who's this going to be? I think I have an idea about this or that. And he gets to also have these wonderful interviews and interactions with the cast and crew. Right. One of the things that you guys aren't privy to as you listen to this is the fact that we actually did this over Skype. And I was actually able to, and Mary was able to see Dan. We were having a conversation. And you just see him like as he's talking. He's just excited about it. Truly. And, truly. Uh, I, I really enjoy that. And the fact that he's actually paid to do stuff like this. <laughs> when we're just two jabronis in our in our home-built studio yes, in yes. our basement. You know, hey, It's all good. It's it, all good. It is all fun. So with all of that great information and even clearing up uh, the relationship, the creative relationship mm-hmm. between Dan Fogelman and Isaac Aptaker and Elizabeth Berger as a, a troika of showrunners. Trifecta, a tri- maybe? A trifecta. Yeah. I would, uh, I would go there as well. There Why you go. not? Look at you with the SAT word. Oh, honey. I did very well in my SATs. I know. You did much better than me. <laughs> uh, so going from there to all the... the, the the actual stuff with the flash forwards and seeing Toby and, and, and Kevin and Vietnam and exploring all of that. Um, great, great conversation. Truly. I I'm pumped and jacked. Pumped and jacked for season three. Awesome. Now, As I'm, are we all. I'm ready so to go. So say we all. Uh, so look at you bringing. <laughs> oh my goodness. So say we all. That is my girl. That's when you. you know. That's when you know you've married the right woman. Bringing in BSG references to a This Is Us podcast. That's oh, my girl. All right. You ready to close this bad yes. boy out? All right. Once again, thank you to Dan Snearson. Um, amazing. Hopefully, we're, we'll, we'll be able to have him back uh, once the mid-season break happens, yeah. which is going to happen. Dan, confirm that for us. And as always... Season three is about to begin. So when you do want to converse with us about season three on social media, either uh, tag us on Facebook or on Twitter and use the hashtag this is us too. Of course, you can always email us at Mary and Blake Media dot oh sorry, Mary and Blake Media at gmail.com. <laughs> there you go. You're getting there. You're Got, getting there. You know, it's it's almost like I've been doing this for quite some time yeah, now. You know. Oh, man, I'm just, you know, I'm not bringing it today. That's okay. Let's That's okay. close out the show. All right, let's do it. So this is our final episode before season three. If you're excited, just know that we're excited along with you. If you don't have friends to get to watch the show with, know that we are now those friends for you. And we are here to geek out and love and cry and just enjoy each of these episodes. want to take a moment to thank Sam's Girl 2002, who left us a written review in iTunes. She said, I found Mary and Blake through Outlander cast. I love their analysis of the shows, even if I don't always agree. They are a joy to listen to, and I always look forward to their next episode. Thanks for an entertaining, thought-provoking podcast. You get all the lemonades. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sam's Girl, and to everyone else who's taken the time to rate a review and even just to listen. We really appreciate it. So thank you for being a part of our day. My name's Mary. And my name's Blake, and I'm ready for season three. Can't wait. (laughs) This is us, too. 